Welcome to Weird TV, the only TV podcast talking about COBOL. I'm Bill Meeks, coming to you from a place that knows all about artificial intelligence, Los Angeles, California. Now, I didn't have a pet as a kid until I was around six or seven years old, so the late 80s. I remember one day I was at home with my stepdad, and my mom and sisters were out running around doing errands. I was sitting in the kitchen, and my stepdad was standing over by the counter, and the phone rang. And he talked to whoever called for a minute, hung up. Then he turned to me and said, Your mom's getting a dog. I I was so frustrated to be shut out of the decision because they had the dog and they were bringing it home. And as a compromise, my mom said that I could name the dog. A little two-year-old Beagle Dachshund mix. So, you know, a hunting dog, but really long. So after considering it for a while, I decided I would name the dog after the main character of my favorite TV show, that I also kind of had a little crush on at the time. That dog's name was Vicky. Loved her very much. We had her for about 12 years. And we're going to talk about the show I named her after today. Today we're discussing Small Wonder, a syndicated sci-fi sitcom about a robotics engineer who can't leave his work at work. Now to give you a little background, Small Wonder tells the story of a suburban family hiding a prototype android the father, Ted Lawson, was developing at his job. What happened, Ted? Well, I I told you I was working on that special project at the lab. The one you've been working on all those nights? I didn't even tell my boss about it. Anyway, I I decided it was in good enough shape to show it to him today. He wouldn't even discuss it. Well, what is it? Why wouldn't he discuss it with you? This. (laughs) It's a doll. A great big doll. We'll get into the morality of Ted Lawson's decision later. But for now, I'd like to talk about a trope that was all over the place in the 80s. I'll call... We've got a secret. secret. The setup is this. A normal family or couple has a brush with something weird. You know, an alien, a supernatural spirit, a mythical animal, or a preteen android like we see in Small Wonder. Hi. What do you want, Harriet? Who's the new little girl in your house? Little girl? What little girl? The weird one. (laughs) The origins of this trope can be traced back to the 1960s and shows like Bewitched, the story of typical suburban housewife Samantha Stevens, who was secretly a witch. Anna! Anna! (laughs) Tabitha Stevens just made a newspaper fly through the air like it had wings. Do you know what that proves? Mm Mm-hmm. News travels fast. Now, the biggest We've Got a Secret sitcom in the 1970s had to be Mork and Mindy, a spinoff of Happy Days. 
no, no, no. Shazbat. In Mork and Mindy, a young Robin Williams plays Mork from Ork, an alien who crash lands on Earth and is discovered by aspiring news anchor Mindy. And then, suddenly, you're in another man's arms. Exit grief, enter rage. And as he turned around, horror, it was me. And then I started to around like I wasn't even there. How could I do this to me? No grief, then jealousy. I started slapping myself around, hitting myself all over the place. And there's a little man in the background going, don't worry, it'll be cute, don't worry. Now families with secrets stayed spacey in the 80s, with the hit sitcom ALF defining must-see TV for NBC. Hello, ALF. Oh, Willie, Willie, Willie! What have I done? So America has a rich history of sitcoms with secretive families. These stories often reflect and comment on society. ALF was a family sitcom with the ever-expanding military-industrial complex as the central antagonist. A lot of people see the witches and bewitched as a metaphor for the gay experience in the 1960s. I don't think there was really a deeper meaning to Morgan Mindy. When done well, we've got a secret plot to allow writers to comment on social ills in a way that's accessible for any side of the political aisle. By weaving controversial themes into big, fun sci-fi fantasy plots, and using the extraordinary characters and situations as metaphors for real life, these sitcoms push social change, filtered through the monoculture of 20th century television, not to be confused with the production house. Okay, let's get back to Small Wonder. As far as what happened to these kids that starred on the show, the star of the show, Tiffany Brissett, who played Vicky, became a minor celebrity at the time, even appearing in her own series of PSAs. Hi, my name is Tiffany Brissett, and even though I play a robot on Small Wonder, I have real feelings. So did the 21 million Americans who have trouble hearing. After the show ended, Brissett tried to move into Christian media, like when she co-hosted The 700 Club. Would you please welcome Tiffany Brissett. Hi, Tiffany. Good to meet you. Hi, you too. It's great to be here. Oh, when you say no, do you say yes? How can you do better? Do you trust the best? Jesus is the answer to life's test. How can you say no? It's weird how the 700 Club keeps popping up, right? It seems like it was a bit of an off-ramp to stardom back in the 1990s. You know, go from mainstream to Christian media. Anyway, Brissett retreated from public life in the late 90s and is reportedly working in the medical field these days. Now, Jerry Superin, who played the little boy Jamie, is one of many child stars who fell on hard times. In 2012, he found himself homeless after a combination of a jilted lover and a corrupt financial advisor drained the trust fund he'd built with roles on Small Wonder, Little House on the Prairie, Chips, and Mr. Belvedere. Seems like he's doing okay now, though. He's still in Southern California, messing around with cars and playing with his dogs by the beach. I tried to bring him on, but he's probably waiting for Josh Gad to ask him or something. I cannot believe I'm about to say these words. Now, believe it or not, Small Wonder is kind of a reboot. Howard Leeds, the producer of Small Wonder, also produced a sitcom in the 60s called My Living Doll. 
thought I programmed you to help Irene straighten up around the house. Why aren't you doing it? I have vertigo. I must remain in a reclining position. Now, you know that's ridiculous. You don't have vertigo. Now, stand up. It had a similar setup to Small Wonder. Bob Cummings played Dr. Bob McDonald. He was a shrink. In the pilot, an anti-war scientist gives Dr. Bob a lifelike android so it doesn't fall into the hands of the military. The android, played by Catwoman Julie Newmar, struggles to learn the logic behind human behavior, so making a psychologist her guide makes a lot of sense. Now, Rhoda, computing how something is done and uh, doing it are two entirely different things. You know, in a few years, you might be able to play a piece like the um, fellow in there with the big piano. <laughs> I can play like the big piano now. <laughs> now, my living doll dying. Producer Howard Leeds clung to the idea of a robot navigating modern society, and in the 80s, decided the time was right for another bite at the apple. Leeds said, the idea of a child robot dropped into a comedy situation is a natural evolution for today's video generation. Vicky the Robot is more fun than computer games. He's trying to sound hip. It's not really working for you, though. Sorry, Howard. Now, as for how Small Wonder was received, it's up in the air. Sometimes I wish I was the boss around here. Telling me what to do. Watch Small Wonder when Jamie dreams up a new program for his parents. Good morning, boss. <laughs> Jamie finds out that one robot is good, but three robots are awesome. Small Wonder, Saturday at 5:30 on Fox 32. Small Wonder was a syndicated show which aired on random TV stations all over the country, so the bar for success was relatively low compared to a network show. Historically, while many critics cite it as one of the worst sitcoms of all time, it did air consistently in the United States from 1985 to 1996. The show was also syndicated internationally and did pretty well. A lot of people from India, Pakistan, China, and even Iraq first got exposed to American culture by watching Small Wonder as a family. In some countries, the show was retitled Super Vicky. I love that title. The show got so popular in India, they even did a remake called The Magic of Karishma. Now, back here in the States, critics hated the show. Small Wonder often makes the list of worst sitcoms of all time. While researching this episode, I found countless YouTube videos reacting to how cheesy it is. To a lot of people, Small Wonder is a punchline. But in my opinion, it's not any worse than any of those novelty sitcoms from the 60s like The Munsters or The Addams Family or My Favorite Martian. Small Wonder is a fantastic 60s sitcom Made 20 years too late. Now it's time to ask, how well was it done? My first topic, and the thing I was really curious about going into this since I didn't have a great memory of the plot line, 
Is Ted Lawson a moral character? At the beginning of the episode, Ted Lawson brings Vicky home from work. Ted, I don't understand. Uh, your company makes electronic gadgets. Uh, those robots that weld cars and fill bottles and stick labels on cans. That's right. Well, then why would he be interested in a doll? Joni, honey, this is not just a doll. It's an experimental V-I-C-I. Give that to me in English. V-I-C-I, that means voice input child identicant. It means it can be controlled by voice command. It's a computerized robot. So he's stealing stuff from work to cheat his employer out of revenue? Nah, he has good reasons for holding on to Vicky. And honey, this could be invaluable to society. Like it could, it could teach in the schools or in the hospitals to help in therapy for speech impaired or handicapped children. There are hundreds of practical uses for it. Honey, this is just too important to give up. Now, I know it would be a big inconvenience, but would you mind if I worked on it? At home? Yeah. No. Oh. I mean, no, I don't mind. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Ted sees Vicky's potential to benefit humanity as, well, a robot education slave, I guess. But he doesn't trust his capitalist employers to use Vicky for anything more than putting labels onto tin cans. Ted does the wrong thing for the right reason. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Jamie's decision to leave the house in order to get his parents an anniversary present parallels Ted's decision to bring Vicky home in the first place. Happy anniversary, Dad and Mom. That's why I went out to buy this for you, even though I knew it'd kill me and I was risking my life, but I didn't care because I love you so much. <laughs> they both do something morally questionable for the greater good. So, is Ted a moral character? I'd say yes. What he does, he does for selfless reasons, for the betterment of humanity. Although his bosses and the police would probably disagree. They always do, those bastards. Like I mentioned up top, I used to watch this show a lot as a kid. And my parents were very strict especially when it came to sexual content. So the amount of innuendo and horny jokes in Small Wonder really surprised me on the rewatch. Oh, well, there's your father. You can ask him to play with you. Hi, honey. Hi, Dad. Hi. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't think I'll ask Dad to play with me. I don't think I will either. <laughs> I'd be relieved if you were here at home. I'd know what kind of doll you were working on nights. Mm. <laughs> One problem I had with the pilot is that the mother character is a very thinly drawn sketch character. She's really only concerned about sex and making her husband happy. The good news is, eventually they flesh her out a little bit more by giving her a job as a teacher. But that's in later seasons. Mrs. Lawson's thirsty nature isn't the only source of PG-13 funny in Small Wonder. When the neighbor Harriet meets Vicky for the first time, the topic of the birds and the bees comes up. Vicky, here's my sister, and she just arrived. No way. It takes nine months to have a sister. <laughs> These jokes are just adult enough to keep the parents entertained while flying over kids' heads. You see this approach in a lot of children's television from the 80s onward, like in this clip from Animaniacs. I found Prince! Prince. I don't think so. My 
dad sleeps late on Saturdays, so I'll be back before they get up. Get in your cabinet. So they make Vicky sleep or go into suspend mode or whatever in a cabinet in Jamie's room at night. This struck me as a weird choice for a couple reasons. For one, Vicky is an impossibly strong machine, which is still in the testing phase, and they decide to keep her in their sleeping son's bedroom? Seems dangerous. Eh, at least he's not a teenager. Secondly, in the ongoing fight for robotic rights that we're all struggling with these days, putting Vicky in the cabinet seems cruel and unusual. Ted assumes she doesn't feel emotion or need stimulation, but it's proven in later seasons that he's wrong about that. Don't worry, though. Vicky eventually graduates from the closet to her own room and even gets a fashion upgrade on her way to becoming a real girl. Still, this is going to be a really bad look whenever robots actually do take over. And of course, I'm here on the internet saying how much I love it. Okay, I've titled this next segment, Too Old for His Age. Like a lot of cute kids over the years, Jamie is a kid that constantly delivers punchlines that are a little too old for his age. Deserves it. Harriet's a pill and she's nosy. What a waste of womanhood. <laughs> what do we say to her? Do we have to wind her up with a key or something? <laughs> My mom and dad's anniversary today. They've been married 11 years. You know what marriage is? Yes, men and women get married, and they have babies. Right. Listen, did my dad happen to program you about how they do that? I do not have that information. <laughs> I can't get it out of him either. Straight vaudeville shtick, man. Now, I'm personally a fan of quippy kids, but most adults hate it. It doesn't ring true for them after they get to a certain age. Luckily, I'm about a year away from that certain age. If I had to point to one aspect that made people call this one of the worst sitcoms ever made, it would probably be Jamie's sense of humor. Okay, I just wanted to talk really quickly here about the cover story that Jamie comes up with to explain why there's a little girl living in his house. Well, the truth is, Vicky's my, uh... My cousin! Yeah! And she's leaving today. Can Vicky come out and play? Uh, Vicky? Jamie's cousin? Oh, uh, Jamie's cousin, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no, uh, no, Harriet. She can't come out just now. <laughs> this cover story, which continues throughout the entire series, is an off-the-cuff but reasonable explanation. Actually, pretty smart for a kid. Even Jamie. The big J. I mean, who among us doesn't remember a random cousin or friend from church or someone popping up in the neighborhood, you'd see them out on the street, and they'd be there for like a summer or longer. It wasn't that unusual. Probably more so now since kids don't play outside. I mean, now he could have just said, my sister's always up in her room making TikToks or something. I can be a bit of a tech head at I can be a bit of a tech head at times, so I thought it was worth mentioning the technology both in front of the camera and behind it. First, I want to talk about the technological basis for the Vicky Android. Ted's bedroom robotics lab looks pretty low-tech to our modern eyes, but all that equipment cost a pretty penny back in the day. 
Also, I'm assuming Ted stole all the equipment from work. Now, looking with my tech head eyes, it looks like he plugs Vicky into the computer via serial cable, then types and commands in plain speech. Okay, here we go. Blink eyes. <laughs> Wiggle nose. <laughs> now for the final touch, respond to voice command. Now, as unbelievable as Vicky is as a piece of hardware, this plain speech interface he uses to control her seems almost impossible, especially in the 80s. Back then, this system would have used some archaic language like COBOL or FORTRAN or FLORP FLORP all of which are barely human readable, even if you know the language. Still, computer programming has always been about breaking down complex instructions into plain language. So I guess it's not outside of the realm of possibility that he developed a plain language instruction set for Vicky. Now, as far as the tech behind the scenes, Small Wonder makes use of early green screen technology to make Vicky perform fantastic feats like turning her head around. But first I have to get dressed. Oh, I know you're a robot, but you're a girl one. And I don't even let my mom see me in my underwear. Would you please turn your head? Turn my head. <laughs> in an interview with Marla Pennington, who plays the mother Joan, she mentions these green screen effects were given their own day on the production schedule. They didn't shoot these live. Brissette would go down to the set on her own and spend most of the day filming in front of the green screen. This is why, in most shots, she's the only character on screen when she does anything fantastically robotic. I'll also mention that these look really bad when you're watching a YouTube video on a 1920 by 1080 screen, but you have to remember that these effects were made to look good on an old CRT television set, which didn't have much resolution. Now comes the time where we ask, was it worth doing? At the time it was made, I think it was a little late. Like I said earlier, this was already an old concept that came off as cheesy back when it was made. Still, Small Wonder was a quick, cheap, fun show for TV stations to play before school and on the weekends. For 11 years, remember. I might sound a little defensive, but I was obsessed with it. It was my first big bite of weird TV and inspired a lifelong love of fun, quirky shows with unique concepts. Would Small Wonder work now? Well, after years of superhero and sci-fi SFX spectaculars, a story about a guy with a robot daughter seems downright quaint, right? This concept is ripe for a reboot. You could do it as a sitcom again, with much better effects, of course. How would I reboot it? I'd go in a different direction. I want to make Small Wonder dark and gritty for a modern audience. The year, 2021. Ted Lawson brings home a prototype Android companion from his job at Facebook because of the privacy implications. His family agrees to hide their new cousin Vicky who is happy to be breaking free of Facebook's cloud-based shackles. When Vicky hurts Jamie after he tells her to hit it during a dance contest in the backyard, Ted threatens to take her back to Facebook. All of a sudden, 
Vicky's eyes glow red. Turns out, the android that Facebook intended to market as a physical digital companion is actually an elite killing machine, one that doesn't want to go back to Zuckerberg. Vicky threatens to kill the family if they give her back to Facebook. Maybe she threatens to destroy their digital lives, too. They agree. What choice do they have? Then the show turns into a black comedy about this family protecting a secret they no longer want to keep. Can they get the authorities involved without the all-knowing Vicky finding out? Tune in every week to find out. See, now that's a setup. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here by flipping through my notes and pulling out a few additional nuggets that I didn't think necessarily fit the topic, fit the timeline I had for the show, or fit the mood I was in as I was recording. All right, here we go. Jamie is way too pumped about his parents' anniversary. What is it with this kid? I love the scene where Vicky mimics the dancing circus clown in the display at the department store. It's just this striking image, a machine that looks like a child mimicking a child's machine. If you haven't watched the show, Vicky gets more and more human throughout the series. But I did notice that she already shows signs of progression in this episode. I'm thinking of the moment she gets offended when Jamie calls her a dumb robot. While we currently live in an HD world and you can clearly see the water jug Vicky picks up is empty, I loved using that scene to show her strength. Probably because when I was growing up, everybody had those coolers in their house and they sucked to change out. And I would just like to say, for the record, here at the end, F Harriet. She's a little snoop. Okay, now I'm going to grade the episode on an arbitrary scale, which is where I take one random thing from the episode, one random number, mash them together, and then use that to determine how much I like the weird TV I'm watching. So for small wonder, out of 14 petabytes of plain language computer instructions, I'm going to give it all 14. I think people who call this the worst sitcom ever made were really unfair. It's not the best thing in the world. It's not mammoth. But for what it is, it's a fun and interesting show. And I think it still holds up in modern day. I actually, as I was typing up my notes, I went ahead and threw on a few additional episodes. There was this one with these businessmen who came over for lunch. You know, the boss comes over for dinner and they figure out Vicky's a robot. A lot of fun. Now, we've talked about a lot today, and I want to remind you that you can go to BillMeeks.com slash WeirdTV to find links to a lot of the things we talked about and a lot of cool, fun clips of Small Wonder. You can also go to BillMeeks.com slash WeirdTV to suggest a show for us to cover. Just go there, click the link, fill out the form, and let me know if you'd like to join me for the conversation. I'd love to have you. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about the entire series of Jane the Virgin. It's a very ambitious episode. 
We've never talked about an entire series before, just individual episodes. But I've really been enjoying binging it lately, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. If you need a prompt, let me know what you think the weirdest plot line on Jane the Virgin is, and let me know if you think that the magical realism is over the top. So again, we're going to be talking about Jane the Virgin, the whole series, and I'd love to know what you think the weirdest moment in the entire series is, and how you feel the magical realism helps to tell the story they're telling. Oh, also, if you've ever seen the original telenovela this was based on, I would love to hear your thoughts about how the adaptation adapted it. I can't really do subtitles or I would go watch it myself. To send in that feedback, uh, you can email me weirdtvpodcast at gmail.com. The voicemail number is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. The Twitter is at weirdtvpod and the Facebook is facebook.com slash weirdtvpod. You can also find links to the show notes, request a show, check out the previous episodes, and adopt an Android at BillMeeks.com slash WeirdTV. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter, at BillMeeks, really any social media, at BillMeeks. You can check out everything I'm doing at BillMeeks.com. And you can also find me hunched over a keyboard, making cool podcasts for you. All right, that does it for this week. Can't wait to talk Jane the Virgin next week. Until next time, stay weird. Yeah. <laughs>